We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everybody. We are the Pettiest Bills Podcast. I'm not bright enough for all of that. Drew Gator. Because I thrive off negativity, it's just more hackery from a charlatan and a carpetbag. The Rock Pile Report. Oh, my blood pressure's rising. He gave him Coors Banquet beers out of spite. The Pettiest, Hardest Drinking Bills Podcast. I'll go to hell and back just to prove a point. To an in-studio edition of the Rock Power Report podcast, I'm your host, Bill Season Ticket Holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Kruger. Enjoying the studio with us tonight, Rock, Rock Sports Network's Ryan Lasel and Mario Granada, who shocked the hell out of me walking through the door. I see his giant ass blocking out the door frame. And it was that scene from the movie Tombstone, where Johnny Ringo's leaning up against the tree waiting for Wyatt Earp. And then Doc Holliday comes walking out of the shadows and he goes, boy, he goes, oh, Johnny Ringo, look like somebody, you look like somebody walked across your grave. <laughs> that was my face because, I mean, what do you say, Chris, first of all, what do you say when that hair walks through the door? Uh, get back. Get back. <laughs> which is the same as what the hairline's doing. Get back. With <laughs> that fat Joe song. Sh- shots fired, Mario, you just got in here, already, already being picked on. Does it feel like you're back? You guys haven't said anything to me as worse as what Paul said to me, so that's fine. <laughs> I don't doubt that. He's he's sneaky mean. He's not he the dirty. loudest person, but he'll cut deep. He will. <laughs> he bides his time. He's like a viper. So we have to clear the air here for our listeners because everyone's wondering why I did both of our shows solo. I also want to point out, as we get into that, that this was very difficult to pull off. Because I didn't know if I was coming to your basement or his basement. <laughs> I couldn't get him to answer me as to what was going on. He didn't know what was going on this week. So as you get into that story, I just want you to appreciate how difficult it was to just figure out whether or not Mario could even do this. Okay. All right. Well, so so let, let, let me start by saying this, Chris. Something that I, I don't say very often in my life to anyone, from my wife to my, my parents, my coworkers. Well, let's start here. I'm sorry. Do you think I believe that? No, 
And I think that I've given you a lot of reasons not to believe that. (laughs) (laughs) So I can understand it. But that's why we're putting it out here in audio format, so that there's posterity to it. and So everybody understands, because we break down the fourth wall better than most podcasters, I think. Correct. So we had a bit of a disagreement last weekend. I get back from Toronto. I'm vacationing with my family, which if anybody's ever traveled with a three-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old, it's it's a vacation, but it's uh, it, it's work. And so then you drive the you know the two two hours back from Toronto, and you get home, and you just start just all oh, the kids are in bed. Nice. You just start feasting on cocktails. I don't know if anybody else does that. Maybe it's just me. So then this happens, and. I asked Chris an innocuous question about a piece of production that we were working on. And he gives me an answer that just leaves me incensed. And when I'm intoxicated, I'm not the most, you know, I'm not the most reasonable human being. So I lash out at Chris. Now, to kind of explain where that came from, I feel like we've both been doing things in a way that hasn't been working. We have a system here that because our lives have changed, the dynamics of the podcast structure have changed. And at first, in my drunken haze, I was really furious with this guy because I was blaming him for all of the time that I spent doing this podcast stuff and not having fun with it because I felt like Chris was rushing me. And then I sobered up. Now, I'm never going to immediately admit that I'm wrong because that would make me too too good of a human being. So instead, but I, I sobered up and I took a step back and I thought about things and I said, you know... Chris's life is a lot different than it was when we started this podcast. When I met you and we started doing this and hanging out like this, it was, I created the content, you did all the production. You were also recently divorced and didn't have a whole lot going on except for hockey and your job and things like that. And I hear I was doing all my bullshit and it just worked. And then I got kids. So then I started cutting some corners here and there. And then... While I'm doing that, you're also taking on more work between video production and between also editing the podcasts and also doing all of this stuff on your own. And now I'm not getting you production pieces two days in advance. I'm giving them to you two hours in advance. And then I'm getting frustrated with you when it's not executed the way that I thought it should be executed. Here I am conflating this in my head that Chris is coming up with all these unreasonable deadlines. Well, here I am not understanding the fact that my buddy's life changed a little bit, and he might not have all of the bandwidth that he used to, that I used to just lay shit on him at the last minute and used to get away with doing it. But unfortunately, I can be unnecessarily cruel and aggressive and confrontational. Mario, you can speak to that. You've had, we've had our go-rounds. Uh, what, 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 what am I limited here? To say? <laughs> what can I say here? The fourth wall's broken down, man. We, listen, we, we do honest radio. Uh, if we're talking about a group chat, uh, I called a lot of that stuff on myself. But I think, I think still. a lot of I think a lot of all of us in our group chat have at one point or another wanted to fist fight everyone else in the group chat. No more so than Drew. Yes. Of people wanting to fight him though. Because yeah. when that train gets Drew, rolling, it doesn't Drew stop. Drew comes in and just kamikazes group chats of just anger and vitriol and it's just like that's just Drew. But I will say to your credit and to Chris for uh not believing Drew for being sorry for what it whatever it's worth, he he was messaging me throughout the week about how he felt bad about how this all played out and how difficult he was realizing Chris's job is. So that was and it. It's, so, it's fairly so, humbling to him. So at first I was like, hey, Chris, screw you. You can do the podcast this week on your own. Here's here's the deal. Yeah. So anybody that watched our YouTube after dark, 
There's a picture of Bill Cosby. That's the thumbnail. Not a lot of people watched it. You could tell that there's a specific point where Drew's pointing to uh, screenshots and that aren't there. They're not there because <laughs> Drew thought it was a good idea to send that to me five days after recording. Yeah. At no, at no point. My fault. At no point. Because he goes, well, when is this going to go out? And he was like, sometime Saturday, Sunday. So I saw that in our DMs and go, well, and I, have, I have carte blanche to just take that long to send it to him. Again, that's the hubris of assuming that Chris doesn't have a whole lot going on and I could just dump the shit on him whenever I want to. That's my mistake. No. That's not. my mistake is having the hubris of being like, well, Chris doesn't have anything important going on. I, w- I can give him this whenever and it'll be fine. I work on the weekends. Yep. 12-hour shifts. Yep. Everything gets edited Thursday, Friday. I had everything done. I know. And edited, and all I needed was these screenshots, and you were like, I was out of the country, and I said, I didn't realize you left Wednesday right after the podcast. <laughs> so, And then you said something about meetings. I work meetings. None of that matters. You should all, you should, when somebody's like says, it could be anything, like, oh, I'm sorry I didn't get back to you. No, you know, you had time. You just didn't do it. You just didn't do it. You <laughs> just o- didn't do it. The only I told you the only acceptable reason for you not getting me those screenshots for that YouTube video is if your family died. You and I still expect you to get me those screenshots within a reasonable time even if your real dad died. I think I think it's worth pointing out that this this dynamic is fantastic because this entire conversation, Drew has been staring at Chris, yearning for eye contact. Chris won't and give Chris has never once looked at him. <laughs> <laughs> like, not even when when Drew was apologizing did Chris even look at him. Chris has a problem with human interaction and emotion, so he really can't do that. Or the fact if people are watching this on uh, YouTube, they know that they haven't seen me because we only have two cameras. And two cameras are on the people that are going to mostly be talking through this recap of Kansas City so, and Buffalo. So so it's Chris, I guess it's it's with that that I say I did those shows by myself and here's what I I drew away from it. First of all, editing sound and editing audio and clipping and fucking organizing things is a bitch. It's it's even worse when you have a buzz. I was down there for hours working on that nonsense and I don't want to do it. I just don't. That's that's why I've always been just the talent. Like, let other people do all of that, whether it's Mario, whether it's Gary, whether hey, it's listen, Chris. You might be the talent. No one will ever call you the face, though. Jesus That's Christ. for sure. I don't even know if anybody will ever call me the, the talent. Can we, <laughs> we put air quotes across the <laughs> Yeah, there you go. <laughs> not, not across the, just talent. Like, you, you know, no talent. You're you the know, something. You know we're an ugly group when the most attractive guy in like the content creation group, out of like those of us who commiserate together, is this guy who looks like what would happen if John Wick went to like went to Coachella? <laughs> like this is Coachella John Wick. Listen, listen, listen. I was approached to film Con Air two, <laughs> and I can't turn him down. <laughs> oh my god! All right. So with that, Chris, I'm sorry, and I'm happy we're back together. I'm happy we're doing this. Yeah. Well, it's. The only time I've ever felt like, oh, is this really not going to happen? Because our arguments... I just didn't show up. Yeah, our arguments <laughs> are, to me, is, no, fuck you. No, fuck you. All right, I'll see you on Wednesday. And that's it. That's I that- expected you to be here Wednesday. I was... 
Because I wanted to show Jessica, you that Je- I can take on some more production work and I can take Jessica, some of the load off you if necessary. I was sitting down here at like 5.30 and Jessica came down and was like, Larissa texted me that Drew's not coming. I'm like, wow, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, then the worst part was I'm, I'm all cocky about how, how easy this is going to be and it was not. It was not fun. And then, I, <laughs> and then I'm back there. The worst part is Larissa's like, okay, well, so now what? So now you got to go make up with Chris. And I said, no, I know it's going to be really simple. And I sent him a text message. I go, I'm not going to write a novel because I'm not a chick. And you did. And then I wrote like four points and he goes, nice novel, dickhead. <laughs> and I go, that's our relationship. That's what friends do. Just like uh, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, right? They make nice at the end and everybody shakes. Oh, no, wait, that's not what happened guys let's launch right into it our week 14 recap the bills 20 the chiefs 17 let me hit you with my stats of the game first of all patrick mahomes 25 of 43 josh allen 23 of 42 i think for the first time that they've ever played each other neither quarterback had a higher than 60 percent completion percentage which seems stupid on its face doesn't it yeah, I mean, for the for everybody who touted this as the quarterback battle of the season, I mean, for those guys to come out and, you know, I mean, I don't think either one played bad. I mean, but neither one played great either. Yeah, it's more of like it's turning into a divisional matchup now because they're yeah. so familiar with each other now. Yeah. Everyone knows what the tendencies are of these two quarterbacks. So. And the defensive coordinators know that quarterback, and they know those wide receivers, and they know everything. 0.0 seconds. It's the amount of time the Bills spent trailing in this football game, which I think is important because there have been lead changes and back and forth throughout all of these contests with the Chiefs for as long as this rivalry's existed. Not this time. James Cook, 141 all-purpose yards, led all skill players with six first downs. Kansas City's linebackers, 11 out of 13, which is 85% completion percentage allowed, 114 yards and six first downs. All of that in coverage. Christian Benford, 90 yards, no touchdowns, three first downs allowed on 12 targets, which was a team high. Far and away a team high. Kansas City offensive line, 18 pressures, 11 hurries, two sacks, two penalties, the most they've allowed since their loss to Philadelphia. Defensive end Greg Rousseau and Ed Oliver, nine pressures. Rousseau's five were a team high. Two sacks, one hit, six hurries. We want to break this down into the good, the bad, and the ugly. I feel like it's the easiest way to do this because there was a little bit of each in this game. The the good, I'd have to start with the aggression. Okay? The aggression of this football team and the composure. You're a football team that's sitting in this do-or-die scenario in hostile territory. You're going in there with your season on the line. You've got Deion Dawkins on NFL Network talking about how it's kill or be killed now. We know that. We plan on executing that way. Then you get the rough week that was over at One Bills Drive with all the acrimony from the loss to the Eagles to the Tyler Dunn article, which we're going to talk a little bit more about in this week's AFC's Roundup. They came out with this really well thought out and constructed game plan that was all of the rules. Like, Mario, you can probably speak to this more because you you understand a lot of the X's nose. The rules that Steve Spagnuolo runs that defense with in, in regards to the safeties and linebackers, how you patrol the middle of the field, who picks up what responsibility, 
Joe Brady was calling formations and using motion that directly put them in conflict for almost the entire game, right? Yeah, he's he's been doing that for three three games now. What he's been doing, he's been motioning them out, and it just gives Allen a better read on what they're going to be running, what they're what kind of pressures are going to uh, bring, odd man pressures and all that stuff. So that really just helped Allen, dig, you know dictate who he was going to go, where he was going to go with the ball. 100%. But then you you go back to the the James Cook touchdown. That James Cook touchdown pass is a byproduct of just an incredibly designed play with a knowledge. Like, that's film study time. That's understanding, hey, when this happens, they react this way. So what happens is they don't know who's supposed to be the single high safety. The switch gets fucked up. But it's because of the motion that Brady incorporates into the play that leaves James Cook running past the linebacker because the linebacker goes, well, the, the guy who motioned across the formation, now there's more wide receivers here. So the, the corner has a guy. The slot has a guy. We're playing man. I got to pick that guy up. He's my guy now. So he comes off Cook. Now it's the safety's job to pick up Cook. But the safety doesn't really know that because we've now motioned another guy, and he goes, well, am I supposed to be still be over the top, shading in the cover two? Or am I supposed to pick up the man responsibility? And because that backup tight end, which is an important thing, they lost Brian Cook and he wasn't available for this game, Brian Cook goes out, this journeyman backup that they plugged in gets confused on the play, doesn't understand whether he's supposed to be in zone or whether he needs that man responsibility, and James Cook just runs right by everybody. It's one of the, it's the simplest touchdown play from distance I've seen from the Bills this season. Well, it's important to note, too, that that was in the script. That wasn't an adjustment that he had. Yeah. They, they came into the game, like you echo in the film study, is the fact that he had that in the script already. And I think that's where a lot of Bills fans tend to be like, okay, your script is good. We love the script. Well, how are the adjustments going to be? Why did they fall flat in the third? You know, we saw this before mm-hmm. with the Buffalo Bills. So I want to see when those tendencies start with Brady, how does he adjust to those things now? Yeah, well, and that's it. Like now teams are going to start getting a feel for how he calls a game. And there's going to be this give and take with him, but – so far through two games, I have no complaints. None. I think now, what's, what's been good, too, is when we talk about Cook, is what he's been over the last three games since Joe Brady took over. So here's a fun question to think about, and you know, you guys all play fantasy football. So if Joe Brady is the offensive coordinator next season, James Cook is drafted as fill-in-the-blank running back what? I've... What is he projected at as running back? Okay, well... He's the seventh running back in the NFL right now in total yards from scrimmage. Right, and he's played three games with Joe Brady. Three so give games. him a full off season with Joe Brady as the offensive coordinator heading into a 17-game season. And he's had and, and his numbers could be better if he had capitalized on two or three of those plays in that Eagles game. Yeah, the drop, the drop touchdown in the touchdown. Eagles game. Yep. There was also another one where I think if he fought for extra yardage on the run, like he got criticized for going out of bounds on a drive that we ultimately punted on where he saw the contact coming and ran out. It's telling that this week after a bye week, now I don't know if this is a coaching point, but again, we talk about the aggressiveness of this team, and really that's what it's going to take, right? That's what it's going to take to pull this thing that you're trying to do with this season off, is you have to become the most aggressive version of yourself. I watch him shy away from contact and step out of bounds early rather than take a hit. And then in this game, I watch him go out there and he's fighting and he's spinning and he's trying to get extra yards. I don't know if that's a coaching point or if it's just him recognizing like, hey, I fucked up here. Hey, that's a mistake on me 
that I didn't go out there and sell out a little bit to try to get us a little farther down the field because that might, in a in a game that's that close against that level of competition, it might be the difference between wins and losses. That one opportunity. Well, I think it, I think it also is a, is probably speaks to his confidence within the confines of the offense. I think he's not. I think there was a lot of looking over his shoulder with Dorsey. I, I don't know what it was, but it just seems like. Dorsey preferred Latavius Murray because he could pass pro. There was a little bit more. He felt like maybe there was a little bit more flexibility from the running back position with a guy. And I think it's telling that they haven't activated Leonard Fournette since. You know, and they, they oh, never Ty since Johnson. they signed him, but they signed him well. It was it was still Dorsey at the helm, right? So I think some of it is Cook has been instilled that you are my guy from Joe Brady which leads to lowering the shoulder, leads to trying to fight for extra yardage because you're not afraid of like, well, if I get hurt, it's just another excuse for them to not put me in there, and you know, I kind of scoot out of bounds. Can we talk like about that. Ty Johnson keeping Shaq uh, Leonard Fournette off the field? Can we talk about that for a second? Like The fact that Leonard Fournette's been here, he's kind of getting acclimated, and you'd think like, okay, they'll may- maybe give him some special teams duty, but probably not. He's older. maybe, But, but maybe passing down role, he's a good pass protector. And instead, it's Ty Johnson. And you watch him making decisive north-south cuts with speed. And that's all you can ask for from a third-string running back, but it brings a different dynamic to our running back stable that we haven't had in a long time, which is two running backs with incredible speed, a little bit of wiggle, but Cook is really the guy who you... I mean, no one's going to replicate what LaShawn McCoy did here. But at the same time... He's the guy who makes the, like, flashy plays. Johnson's the guy who just says, hey, you make a crease. I'm going to hit it as hard and fast as I possibly can, and I'm I'm good enough that I'm picking up six yards here, seven yards on this carry. Maybe I get stopped at the line of scrimmage because he's not big, but he'll hit you again for five later in a drive. That's what you want from your third running back because when you put the three of them together, now you have a functional, multifaceted running back stable every single week. Well, the one thing that I think helped Johnson was the fact that he played against the Jets th- during that streak. You know, after Leonard Fournette was already signed, and then when you get when you talk about Murray and Cook, it's like steak and sizzle. Mm-hmm. You know, you got you got Murray who you can count on. He'll be there in pass pro. He'll do. He'll get those really tough yards for you. And then you got Cook who can do anything, like you guys said. And it seems like he's playing with house money. And then you got Ty Johnson that can do a little bit of Murray, can do a little bit of Cook for you. So I think that's what, out of your running back stable, that's what really you want. You don't want teams to key in on, oh, Murray's in there. Let's try to blitz an extra guy, see if we can sneak him by Murray. And, you know, let's do this. Because we know he's not going out in the pass. So then when Cook's in there, you got to sit there and go, oh, wait, 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 wait. We can't bring, we can't bring six. Mm-hmm. We got to try to keep a backer or a slot corner in there to see, okay, who's going to be on Cook? Mm-hmm. So. And then just to to finish my point about the aggressiveness and the composure, it was in, it was all over the roster, right? You're talking about bullying Kansas City in the trenches for pretty sizable portions of the game. Like they struggled to move the football early, and then even later, most of the movement of the ball was through the air. They really never established any sort of rush, rushing presence. It was it wasn't part of it. Never made itself part of the game script for Kansas City to move the ball on the ground. Now, maybe that changes if Pacheco's healthy, but fuck him, he wasn't there. I don't care. I don't want to hear about it from these salty Kansas City fans. What I liked to see was a lot of the chirping and the rough play that was going on 
between and after the whistle. I like that because you know these guys. You've seen them a thousand times. So when Stefan Diggs is two hands shoving Legarius Sneed in the back after a whistle and then they're they're face to face, it's like, yeah, no, that's they they don't like each other. And that's fine. I like that. I like that Diggs has a little spark to him. Is he producing? Doesn't matter. He's gonna fight that guy. I like the fact that well, what was it? It was after there was a scuffle on a punt and Tommy Townsend came running in like he was gonna do something and one of our players just ragged who was it here? Oh, it was it was Ed Oliver. Just ragged out Tommy Thompson out of the scrum. Just get out of here. You don't fucking belong here. We bullied him a little bit. Well, and it started. It started with a play that I don't. I don't think we would have seen earlier in this season. Um, the second touchdown, where they called that quarterback draw. Allen got stood up at the five. And McGovern and just, it was just McGovern and Dawkins just power the man pile. on man. We're gonna run through you five yards and carry our quarterback into the end zone. That was the kind of physicality that when you got a 6'5", 240-pound quarterback, that's the physicality you should be playing with. But that's a physicality that they haven't played with in quite some time. And I don't know if it's, again, is it the the dynamic from the coordinator position? Is it just fresh blood you know, in there calling plays? Is it a new level of confidence? Was it the desperation of... You know, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Like, this was a game that just felt like if, if you were to watch that game and said, which team needs this win more, it felt it was Buffalo. The answer was going to be Buffalo. They fought all game as if they needed it, and Kansas City wanted it. And that was that was the difference, I thought, in the game. Yeah, I, I would say that as far as the aggression you guys talk about, I want to say that the, the offense – I'm going to say it again. They're playing with house money. It seems like when you know when Allen comes in there, you got Brady. It's a like you said, it could be just a fresh look and everything else. We've seen a lot of coordinators change, and then like the offense seems like it has like an injection in its arm. But as far as the defense, Drew, I think I have to disagree with you somewhat because when you have Isaiah Pacheco out, you have a starting left tackle that's a rookie, and you're not getting the pressure that you think you would get. And well, you're still playing seven and a half, eight yards off at the corners when you know Mahomes knows he has to get the ball out. I got a starting left tackle that's a rookie, sure. no Pacheco. This ball has to be out, yet you're not trying to jump in those lanes to take the ball away. And I saw a lot well, of those completions that Mahomes have that could have, if they were challenged, they wouldn't have been completions. But so this is, the, so this is something, right, <clears throat> that I've been thinking of. Earlier in the stats, I was talking about all the targets that were being funneled to Benford. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Rasul Douglas was a monster in this game. He was all over those wide receivers. And he they tested Douglas early and almost paid the price for it. He had the one he had the one PBU and then he had the one that was like if he had just jumped in front. If he just he couldn't, steps, get his, couldn't get his arm around. If he yeah. steps a little bit farther out in front, that's a pick. And it's on their thirty yard line. And after that, they stopped bothering Rasul Douglas. They were like, fine, fuck it, Benford. Just just go to Benford, because that's a problem. None of our wide receivers are physical enough to handle him. If it's a, if you throw a 50-50 ball, I mean, Mahomes is, I give him a lot of credit. He's very smart when it comes to, hey, the percentages and what are, how much do I trust that guy? You don't seem like you, tr- like it doesn't feel like you trust that guy a lot, right? Like when you're talking about Marvis Veldez Scantling or a Richie James or a Sky Moore. So then you look at a guy like Rasul Douglas who proves to you very early in a football game that, hey, I'm here. I'm going to batter your wide receivers. I'm going to be in Travis Kelsey's face when they allow me to cover him. I'm going to fight everybody here. You stop targeting that guy and you find anywhere else on the field to go with the ball. And that's what they did. And that's, again, that's one of those things that I look at. I like it. Not only do I like it, but do we look at the the, the trade for Rasul Douglas? You know, let's say the Bills execute this thing that we're chasing, this playoff berth. We look back and go, he might have been the second most important, like, acquisition. Maybe not draft pick, but acquisition of a veteran player this entire season. True or false? Who would be first? Who's number one? That's all who do you have as number one? I'd, I'd say I'm thinking about him, and then I'm looking at, okay, well, who do we bring in in free agency? We brought in Leonard Floyd. Sure. Leonard Floyd has been a game wrecker for us in a lot of a lot of phases. But Douglas is right up there at this point. I'm pretty sure Douglas, because Kansas City just came off the game where they lost to Green Bay. I'm yeah. sure he made a few calls <laughs> to his former teammates saying, hey, I know what I see on the tape. What did you see on the what, field? What do you guys know? Can you what are talk some of the them? things? But yeah, as far as that goes, I mean, solidifying that secondary. I mean, Benford, he got hurt a little bit earlier in the season, but he's been solid. You got <laughs> you got Hayden Poyer back there. Who I'm going to save my comments on Hayden Poyer because of one, the guy's he's got a stinger again. I mean, I don't think that that guy should ever play again. Unfortunately, I, and Poyer yeah. seems like he should be the guy that replaced Milano in the box because. We've seen him try to make plays that he's made four years ago, and he can't make them. And there's a reason no. why the Buffalo Bills didn't immediately sign him until they, after they signed Taylor Rapp. So you, you got to think there's something going on with that secondary. Mm-hmm. Russell Douglas coming in saying, "Listen, do what you got to do over there. I'll take care of this guy." Yeah, yeah. it seems like that's what. It's, yeah, it gives it gives, it gives McDermott that ability in in the defense to just say we talked about it during the during the Dallas preview was, you know, you go take care of CD. You go take care of Cortland Sutton. You go take care of insert receiver name here. I'll figure out what the other four guys in the secondary are going to do. But if I know that you're going to go lock down that number one receiver for six catches, 54 yards, no touchdowns, and make a couple of concerning plays for the quarterback to maybe take that thought out of the back of his head to go to that number one receiver, that's a big weapon to have, and not many defenses have it. I don't know if the Buff- if Buffalo's ever had it. They've never, they've never used White in that way, and I don't know if it's because he can't or because they didn't want to, but they haven't, at least that I can think of under McDermott, had a corner well, like that. Also, it's just mentality. It's you know, Trey White approaches the game of football with a lot of finesse. He's been a finesse corner, a very good zone... 
you would never go back through your your recollection of his play and say White's a physical cornerback. No, yeah. Douglas is a dude who treats this like he's in a fist fight. He he fights his way to. I've watched the game the game that he had against Cortland Sutton. You watch some of those reps. Those two guys were it was dicey. Like there was plays where I'm like, we're gonna get flagged for that. I never, I never, I never, I never knew because I, I guess I didn't, I didn't watch him as close when he was in Green Bay. He, he just has a lot of like D'Angelo Hall in him to me. Like he's very much like you're. I'm gonna make you earn every catch, and when you don't catch it, I'm going to tell you that you didn't catch it, and I'm gonna tell you I'm the reason why. And it's like if you think you can beat me one on one, then beat me and let's let's find out. Well, you guys, you guys follow Annie Agar on yeah on social media, right? She's a big Green Bay Packers fan. She talks almost weekly about Joe Barry, defensive coordinator, always playing off. So maybe he didn't have the opportunities in yes. Green Bay to yeah. play as physical. And another thing too is the fact that the Buffalo Bills. We talk about over the last few years, they go on those runs. They add a new wrinkle to the offense. They do this. Yeah, McDermott typically has a zone scheme system. He's not used to just putting. Okay, we'll play ten on ten. You do what you got to do. So that's the, maybe the new wrinkle in the defense that's throwing some of these offenses off. That's like, wait, they usually play too deep with Hyde and Poyer. We got to go underneath. We got to try to nickel and dime these guys. Now they just have Douglas going on your number one, and they're just taking care of everything else. Yeah. So and it's it's interesting to watch that. Also, Josh Allen, fucking every time he plays the Chiefs, <laughs> he's an alien. There's a play that somebody on their roster, somebody after the game when they go back on Tuesday and they watch game film. Is just going, fuck me. <laughs> like that's it's every single week. And every single time that they play this team, there's a guy getting jumped. There's a there's a throw <clears throat> that goes over two people's heads through traffic into Dawson Knox's hands in the back of an end zone for a game winning touchdown. <clears throat> there's some absurdity that comes at the expense of a Chiefs defensive player every time they do this. And we had another one. He's falling out of bounds. This is the stuff where you go, I have a one of one. Yeah. And I better capitalize on this now because I'll never see anything. Or at least soak it in. Because I'll never see anything like this again. He's falling backwards out of bounds. And somehow still throws 28 yards accurately. Almost on a rope. It's the well, you're just I, like that's not you I, shouldn't. Mario Granada, Chris, you tried to catch a football from Mario. Remember what that was like? Yeah, I caught it. Yeah, I mean I had bruises, but I caught it. <laughs> so it bruised Chris's entire forearm. But Mario, how tall are you? Six five. Okay, six five. What do you weigh? Conservatively. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> About two sixty. Okay. Same as Trump. <laughs> So. And, and also, it's it's worth noting. I mean, you know, for those who aren't maybe familiar, that Mario was a Division three quarterback. You know, he went, you know, not to toot your horn for you, but I mean, you, you know, played football. You're, you're built like a brick shit house, and you played, you know, high level college. He's you know, the only not, person to ever get me in the for like in a suit, like like, hey, I'm going to torture give you the F five. Like I can put you on the torture rack over my shoulder. That was a fun day. So there's photo evidence of it. So this, I guess, is my thing. When I watch him go out there and do this, it's like at a certain point, even those guys got to look at their quarterback and go, like, you make a lot of amazing shit happen, but you don't do that. (laughs) That scares defenses more than the fact that, like, hey, I'm so smart and cerebral. I can find an opening, blah, blah, blah. With Allen, it's never find an opening. It's just I have ice in my veins, and when I'm keyed in and when I'm not just freewheeling, 
but I'm playing within the structure of the offense, but also I'm so f- I'm just gifted. I can just make some bullshit happen, and you can't stop me. Yeah, the, the, from a technical standpoint, you know I've rolled left and tried to throw. You gotta turn your body. Your whole upper you body. have to try to do a couple. Of, and he just went. Yeah, yeah, he just it was short. Like, it's not fair <laughs> that you should be able to do that because as a defender, you're sitting there going, "I did everything right on this play," and he still did this. Like that's I think that's what you're talking about, Drew. Is the fact that there could be the perfect coverage of a lot of things. The pass to Hardy. The man was flat-footed, had his shoulders facing the left side, and just uh, just uncorked one to Hardy, 35 yards on a rope. I'm like, you're not supposed to do that as a human being. That play was he was he was point two yards from the sideline when he released that ball. <laughs> the closest distance to the sideline of any completion since 2018. Completions within one yard line, one yard of the sidelines. Josh Allen has five. <laughs> the rest of the NFL has one. Yeah, exactly. Because it's just like, oh, that guy, he's a human cheat code. It's like when you had the game when we had the game shark and you would just plug it into the Sega Genesis and be like, fuck you, Aladdin. Now I can't but that's, die but that's, in the Cave of Wonders. But that's the one thing that I think at least in my mindset, has shifted with this, I guess, new offense, if you want to call it that, under Joe Brady, is that it's, I mean, Amara, you and I joke about it, right? But it's like, chaos, right? Like, (laughs) chaos! Just let him go do what he does. Like, yeah, he's going to make some stupid plays. Yeah, he's going to throw an interception when he probably shouldn't. He's also going to throw the ball .2 yards from the sideline, 28 yards downfield to a running back that has no business being that open. Because you have no reason as a defender to expect that to get completed. That's it. That's why it's a cheat code. Because you, having played in the NFL for years, go, there is no chance that he completes that pass. And then he does it, and you're just left standing there going, well, because Fuck these me. guys that have played football their entire lives, they go to these games and they're like, I've never seen someone do that before. So when you I'm watch not going to prepare for what I've never seen. When right? you That's watch, the pragmatic approach to anything. When you watch don't the NFL Top 100. The, don't prepare for the impossible, right? When you watch the NFL Top 100 every year, it's full of guys talking about Josh Allen. They all say the same thing. They're just like, oh, that guy, he'll, do, he'll just do some wild shit you've never seen before. But these, this is coming out of the mouths of guys who've been in the league for four, five, seven years. And some of the most athletic human beings on the planet. Watching him going, how the fuck did he do that? And they all showed up and played in concert with the same desperation that was necessary to pull off what was a very close victory, but a much needed one. If we want to talk about the bad, can we take this dig screen pass idea and fire it into the fucking sun? I love it. What? Okay. I love it. Here's why not. Why not Shakir? You're expecting it with Shakir. This is, <laughs> we're gonna sneak up on him, guys. We're we're, we're beyond that now. This okay? is usually where I mute the chat, but I tell Drew, <laughs> I drop that in there, and then I leave. But I'll explain it to. I, I mean, we talked about it on our show. Is the fact that okay, everyone in the damn building knows you're gonna try to run Ty Johnson or Latavius Murray into the line to try to run that clock down, correct? Yeah. So you, what do you call you call a screenplay to your? Arguably, best receiver has been playing that way the last few games. I understand that. But it's your best receiver who knows he's going to stay in bounds, maybe get three or four yards. And hang on to the football. And hang on to the football. If he does that, we're not having the screen play discussion. Like, to Shakur, you could. But what I'm telling you, Drew, is that you can either have Ty Johnson run into the 
<laughs> brick wall, and you don't get this many yards, but you just throw the little foot. The only thing I worry I about Brady is that he be, gets too cute. I expected to be. Here's the thing. I expected to be angrier about what happened right before the two minute warning. I was furious in the moment. You know, my friend and I drank most of a bottle of Four Roses Single Barrel that night, so I'm not shocked that I was screaming gibberish at the TV. But what I will say is that the looking at it, it's that thing of you've been asking for this, weren't you? You know, Chris, I believe Sean McDermott had an explanation for for that approach, didn't he? This it's week, it's a balance. It's delicate balance. There, you know, you you got to know who you're playing on the other side too. Are you plan for three, or are you plan for seven, and and trying to make it that type of game. Uh, whenever you're going against an elite quarterback and an elite offense, um, you got, you've got to stay aggressive too. So it, it is a balance. Uh, I thought the offense did some really good things tonight. This is Sean McDermott. That's from BuffaloBills.com. The audio. This is Sean McDermott talking about, oh, well, if you're going against a quarterback like that, you got to stay aggressive. you got to go for seven. You can't go for three. I've been crucifying this guy for being too conservative. So now I'm the, I'm the ass if I get mad at him for doing the thing that I've been pounding the table for and it just doesn't work the way I want it to. Maybe you saw it in an article or something. You don't get to you don't get to promote it, right? Like you don't well, get to, as the offense, you can't score too fast, right? You don't you don't get to yell about a thing, and then when someone does the thing you asked for and it doesn't work the way you wanted it to, you can't get mad about that. Like that's that's how this whole thing works. Yeah, I mean, I, I I've been as critical as anyone has, and Mario, we've talked about this at ad nauseum is the clock management, right? And I wanted to be so upset at the clock management at the end of that football game. And then, like, you diffused it me so quickly with, it, with the text where it's just like, yeah, but if Diggs catches it, we're not having this conversation. And I, I just kind of, like, stopped and I went, son of a bitch. If he right. catches it, I'm not complaining about this because that either it, it forces Reed to either use a timeout or it goes to the two-minute warning. That's another 20 seconds off the clock. And... They threw it to the most sure-handed, non-fumble guy on the roster. How, you know, how can you be upset about if this, if that play was midway through the third quarter? It would have been well. You get the hands, get the ball into the hands of your playmakers, right? When you need a spark, you get the ball into the hands of your playmakers, and that's Diggs. So, why do I have a problem with it? It, with 220 left in the game and versus... what if well and then there's the what if because to your point what if you slam a, a running back into the line and you get two yards and you run clock he burns the timeout but you don't go anywhere what if he not only catches it but what if he picks up that first that's what i'm saying what if you go for like six you know ryan's talking about four or five yards what if you go for eight what if he, now what you're what at if he the scores yeah what's what only, i'm saying he's only got one man to beat he's got two good blockers it was Sherfield. it was Sherfield and davis Sherfield there, and davis yeah who are both good blockers so if he catches that and, and scores before gone, the two minute warning now the then game's you're over now the yeah. game's over or at least for them now they have to press and hope for a two-point conversion if they want to end it in regulation you you were doing the aggressive thing that you that we've been asking you to do it just didn't work i can't be mad about that I have to I have to remove myself. I know, I know it's crazy. I'm admitting I can't be mad about something. The other thing I want to talk about is these misses to Gabe Davis. I hear a lot of people talking about, oh my God, we missed Gabe Davis in the end zone again and he was schemed wide open, blah, 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 blah. Yes, I believe this is something that they need to work on, but also the fact that Gabe Davis is being schemed wide open game after game after game, they will hit that. Well, what you know when they're going to hit it. 
is this week against Dallas. If you're a fantasy football player and you have Gabe Davis on your roster, start him because he's been <laughs> every other game. And I'm showing Mario the tweet right now. Tampa, 19.2 fantasy points. Cincinnati, zero. Denver, 8.6. Jets, zero. Philly, 19.5. Kansas City, zero. So he's due for a big fantasy week because it's every other week with Gabe Davis. He's going to have three tutties on on Sunday against the Cowboys. He lights them on fire. It'll be the greatest thing ever. And then that brings us to the ugly, which I just kind of want to... I kind of want to get on my soapbox for for a minute here. Let me monologue. I want to talk about Kansas City's discipline issue because it's it doesn't get call, it doesn't get talked about because they have Andy Reid and because they have two Super Bowls and nobody wants to talk about how undisciplined this fucking team is. The Bills deserve credit for winning the game, but the Chiefs and this historically uncharacteristic lack of discipline, the penalties, the lack of execution, everything that we've seen from them this season was a major contributor. I mean, if you want to walk back through it, never mind the fact that Clown Shoes Tony fucking... He's literally... The play reminded me of the the Blizzard game against the Colts back in 2017. When... Because, like, there's there's a still shot of it. You can Google it right now if you're listening to it. Chris, if we can find it, we'll throw it into the YouTube video just as part of post production. There's Drew promising stuff again that he'll never I will get. I'll send it to you as soon as we're done. (laughs) You said that about last week. So what happens is, because the snow is so bad, Kelvin Benjamin is lined up a full yard and a half offsides. But no one can tell, because they can't see the line of scrimmage or the football. So the line judge on that side can't call him offsides. That's how far offsides Tony was. I remember seeing it being like, what the fuck is that guy doing there? And then they see at the ball, and you're like, touchdown. But I thought, ah, the flag. They saw it too. This is hilarious. You take that out of the equation. You also have to look at the fact that Kansas City lost the penalty disparity, right? That doesn't happen to Kansas City. If I'm, if I'm Mahomes and I'm butthurt, I'm probably looking at that going, well, this never happens to me. I want to speak to a manager, which we're going to talk about in a second. Your offensive tackle and your center both got called for holding. They haven't had multiple holding calls in the offensive line in a single game this year. It hasn't happened. Travis Kelsey, for a second straight week, gets hit with an OPI, and it could have been two. It could have been twice that he was flagged for offensive pass interference. The wide receivers wreaked havoc on their team's efficiency. Like I've got this. Last week, I talked a lot of shit about them, and I talked about the stats around why they're not that great. Sky Moore, no targets or no catches on one target. But you drafted that guy in the second round. He's athletic as I'll get out. His separation numbers are crazy. They just don't yield actual NFL production. What is it? They they now lead the NFL in drop passes after this football game. Are we talking about Kansas City or Kansas Buffalo? Kansas City. This is a, yeah. it's not like you're talking about Shakir there for a second, right? You got one target. Rasheed Rice, great talent. You can see the explosiveness when he makes a big play, but then he fumbles the football because he's a rookie. He's still trying to figure out how to play the game. Richie James allowed a deep pass to be in his hands and then get punched out the way that thing careened up there could have been a pick if it had the game ends this knowing the game flow after everything would fall apart for kansas city marvis veldez scantling their own fan base is calling for him to just be benched they're like you just make him inactive he's awful again speed athleticism separation 
where is he on catches? He didn't have any in this game, any meaningful catches in this game. And the worst part is he gets called for a false start on a third and seven, which makes it third and 12, and then they have to punt because they dump it down to McKinnon. Instead of of being able to go chase a first down, you did that. You don't contribute, and then you're also going to shoot me in the foot? Tony? I think back to that Lions game to start the season. Kadarius Tony was the worst thing that happened to that team all night. This team, there's just clear miscommunications across the board with their skill players. All they have is Travis Kelsey, who looks like a shell of what he used to be. He looks like a guy dating a billionaire. Yeah, this is. (laughs) He looks like a guy that's like, "Ah, you know what? I'm dating a billionaire. I don't know if I want to get hit in the head anymore. He looks like a guy who who's thinking about doing what Tom Brady should have done, which is, hey, I have an opportunity to marry a chick who's hot and has a lot more money than me. Maybe we just uh, hit the old dusty trail and you just slide on off into the distance. He already looks like a guy who's considering it. The way he's playing compared to what he used to be. I well, he got well, paid it, out by Pfizer, and not and not, <laughs> and not just that, that, but Pfizer money. Not just that, but you want to talk about an un, undisciplined play like that play that he threw. Like that's a Cam Lewis is an inch away from knocking that ball down yep. that Kelsey threw to uh, to Tony. What happens? What's the what's the narrative if that gets knocked down? And Buffalo picks it up and just falls down, and the game's over. But you talk about an undisciplined play. Yeah. For him to huck the ball, you know, you're in field goal range. You're with, you're gonna tie it. You're inside the twenty with a minute nineteen left, and we, you know, we can go in and score and win. The, and you're gonna huck it twenty two <laughs> yards across your body to Tony. What are you doing? And if Tony wasn't so far off sides, maybe he's not there. Like, that's the thing. If he's not that far off sides, maybe he doesn't have the head start. There's not get. a Chiefs fan in the world that didn't look at that play as it developed and go, wait, what, what, what are you, what? And, <laughs> and Cam Lewis, Cam Lewis legit, if you watch the replay, I mean, we talked about it in the group chat. He's a fingertip away from knocking that ball down. There is one, and that's this week's zero of the week, Mr. Patrick Mahomes. Oh. You folks fell on your face. You get an F minus in my book. Now, here's what bugs me about all this, right? You go into that post game and you see the awkward interaction between you know, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. You see it. And then you hear about all the stuff. Well, here's what I love is that some disgruntled Broncos fan. I want to make sure I, I, I'm going through my bookmarks. I want to make sure that I get this correct. Uh, here we go. Brandon so, Perna. Mile high, mile high Mims is what he goes by on Twitter. He goes... He was so incensed by the fact that Mahomes is bitching on national TV and then gave the diatribe about the referees destroying the integrity of the game. Shut up! I get to say that. You don't. <laughs> that's like that's like somebody who makes more than six figures a year sitting at the bar going, man, these, these taxes, they're really, they're really screwing us on this, aren't we? It's like, you don't get to fucking talk to me, okay? You don't get to talk to me about inflation making $300,000 a year. You shut your mouth. I'll, I'll hit you with my car. So what he did was he made an, a montage, tweet by tweet by tweet. He has videos, frames, still frames of every bailout. He, he, not even every, just some Chiefs bailouts from the past two seasons. 
the holding against in the Super Bowl, the, whole, the the questionable holding in the Super Bowl last year. Okay, how about the holding against the Jets on Sunday Night Football this yeah, year? That was bad. That was bad. How about offensive pass interference being called on Cortland Sutton when he goes up and catches the football against them last season? Here's another one. How about the uh, the, the trip? Yeah, the trip remember when? Jones. Here, look, we can look at it together. Remember when Chris Jones just leg whipped this shit out of Josh Allen? Right in front of Brad Allen, and Brad Allen didn't throw a flag? And you saw Chris Jones go and just run off the field like, whoops, oh, going to get out of here before I get flagged. All of these things, no call after. Guys, if you want to see it in depth, go to our Twitter page, at Rockpile Report. I've retweeted it. In fact, I'll pin it. We'll pin it in five days. <laughs> the Minnesota one's my favorite, though. But, like, look yeah. at this. It's a string. There's got to be 20 of these things. And it's all of the times that the officials have made the wrong call at the team that was playing the Chiefs' expense. And it blows my mind that one of the most successful quarterbacks of our generation has the balls to get up there and put on a blonde wig and play Karen in front of the media. I want to talk to the head of officiating because I don't agree with this. You shut your mouth. You lost a football game. One of the greatest quotes that I've heard heard so far about Mahomes is that Allen had to work for everything that he got. Mahomes started his career on third base. Yeah, with Reed. Yeah, yeah, sitting for a year, you know, all that other stuff. Went to a twelve and four team. Yeah, you're really roughing it. He's in. he's 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 that. uh, What what, what's the? He's 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 just very entitled, and it soaks through and all that, and it really does leave a bad taste in my mouth about him. Just as he's he's whatever he's what every Gen Xer thinks millennials are like. That's what that's what Mahomes is doing. Him and him and Brittany make sense now, doesn't it? It kind of (laughs) does. And his brother. The, the clues were there the whole time. Here, here I felt bad for him. It turns out they all deserve each other. So as we as I wrap this up, guys, the upshot is this. The Buffalo Bills won this game inexplicably under absurd circumstances. But it's a win. And now, thanks to the Miami Dolphins being just complete frauds, we... Uh, wait, did I say womp, that? Womp, womp, Yeah. Here's the world's <laughs> smallest violin playing you the saddest song ever written, Miami fans. Um... Now that we're here, that game not only gives belief that we can make the playoffs, but now there's a road to us winning the division again, which is that thing of just like... And at the same time, there's there's me and the Ted Lasso school of thought where it's like it's the hope that kills you. Uh-huh. It's also the fact that if there's any team... You know, I think they were talking about it today on the radio. Out of all the seven and six football teams, there's only one that's negative money. In Vegas's eyes to make the playoffs. That's the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, those sons of bitches are making me believe again, man. Ah, the, guys, number, the number one seeds out there. Like, it's all in play it right now. Let's good? get, you want to get nuts? Hey, Let's get nuts. To, to quote, to quote the children, we're so fucking back. <laughs> guys, this has been a lot of fun, but we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Kruger. That's Mario Granada from Hashtag Sports. Mario, where can people follow you on social? Uh, hashtag sports. No. Is, is, is shared <laughs> Twitter H- handle with Paul. Is it yes. at hashtag because you got kicked it's off. Underscore score. hashtag sports. We're no no more hashtag, and then we're also that same handle on YouTube as well, and we're on all the socials. Ryan, where can people follow you on uh, Rock Sports? Uh, the, at Ryan Lacel underscore RSN. A lot of you have been in my DMs and comments with the tie <laughs> done articles going on, so you probably know how to get a hold of me already. But I'm mostly <laughs> hanging out with Mario and Paul over on hashtag too. So make sure you check out the YouTube, subscribe, like, and uh, join the the. Patreon as well, right? 
Yeah, you can join the Patreon. Yeah. I've been in your DMs too, but not for that reason. Yeah, man. Okay. Yeah, yeah Chris, join, how you doing, guy? Chris, join the hashtag Sports Patreon where you can get awesome hair care tips. Jesus Christ, let's get out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Kruger. These guys are idiots, and this has been your Rock Pal Report. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.